We're on the Gemara towards the bottom of Mem Gimel Amad Beis, where it says, about five, ten lines from the bottom, Nechemyeh Bereidarav Chaniloi. First word on the line is Tziloi. So the Gemara here brings an uh, incident that happened to one of the uh, Amiraim. Nechemyeh Bereidarav Chaniloi. He got very immersed in his uh, learning and he was thinking to himself and he was walking and eventually he walked out of the Tchom being so immersed in his thoughts he walked out of the Tchom on Shabbos. So what happens when you walk out of the Tchom on Shabbos? You're not allowed to move out of your Dal Nechemya, your student is in pain, can't move around. Amaloi, so what, what, how can we help him? What, is there any etzer for him to be able to come back into the tchom, to be able to walk around? So Rav Nachman said, Why don't you form a human mechitza, a human partition? People will stand and create a wall. And through this, he'll be able to enter back into the Tchum Shabbos. He'll walk through in, in between the Mechitza, human Mechitza, and he'll enter back in. So basically, the point is that uh, you're allowed, we already learned a few times before, you're allowed to create a Mechitza on Shabbos itself. A Mechitza created on Shabbos is a Mechitza. And another thing we see over here is that a human Mechitza is also a good Mechitza, right? And. Once you're in a Mechitza, which is a Rishus HaYachid, so we learned before the opinion of Rabbi Gamliel, in a Rishus HaYachid, you're allowed to walk more than four Amis. Okay? As long as you're not in a Rishus HaYachid, so then you could only walk four Amis. But here, that you're in a Rishus HaYachid, you can walk more than four Amis, and then you could enter back into the Tchum Shabbos. Once you enter back into the Tchum Shabbos with Rishus, in a way that it was allowed, so now you can, you'll be able to, he'll be able to go back and walk as much as he wants in his Tchum. Yosef Rav Nachman bar Yitzchok achayre de Rav. Rav Nachman bar Yitzchok was sitting behind Rav. The Yosef Rav kameid Rav Nachman, and Rav was sitting in front of Rav Nachman when Rav Nachman gave this eitzah. Amalei Rav Nachman bar Yitzchok le Rav. So Rav Nachman bar Yitzchok asks Rav, "My kamibayale le Rav Chista? What was Rav Chista's question? Is, is there any eitzah that we can do for him? Why was he having a question about this?" Doesn't, in other words, wasn't Rav Chista aware of this concept that you can create a human mechitza? So what, he had a doubt. He was asking Rav Nachman, could we help him? What was the basis of his question? Is the case that they have enough people. There's enough people to create this human mechitza. But his question was, Do we pass in like Rav Gamliel? Or do we not pass in like Rav Gamliel? What's the chiddush of Rav Gamliel? Rabbi Gamliel, we learned before, said that if you were brought into a place on Shabbos by Goyim, you were not within those mechitzes when Shabbos began. But because now you're in these mechitzes of Rosh Hashanah you're allowed to walk around as much as you want, more than the Aldamas. That was the Chiddush of Rabbi Gamliel in the beginning of the Mesechta. Perik, that is. So his suffix was, do we paskin like the shit of Rabbi Gamliel? So this human partition will help. Or maybe we don't paskin like Rabbi Gamliel. Since you're not in this mechitz when Shabbos began, you can't walk around more than four Amis. That was his question. Or maybe Rav Chista had another suffix. There weren't enough people to create this human partition for him to be able to enter all the way into the Rechtum. 
The Komi Bayalei, what was this question? Do we paskin like Rabbi Yezer or not? What is it that Rabbi Yezer says? So there's a Mishnah later that says, I'm going to learn it soon in this Pedic, Rabbi Yezer says that as long as a person is within two Amis outside his Tchum, he's able to go back inside. If you leave your Tchum, but you're within two Amis, you're able to enter. So now the question is, they were able to create a human partition close enough for Nechemia ben Bredrav Chaniloi to come within two Amis of the Tchum. But not, not quite all the way into the Tchum. So is that going to be good enough for him to be able to enter or not? That was the Shiloh. We Paskin like Rabbi Yezer, that once we create this human partition close enough, so we'll be able to enter or not. Or Rabbi Yezer. Maybe we don't Paskin like Rabbi Yezer. That was the question. So the Gemara says, Pshitim. It's clear, if you look at the story here and what happened, it's clear. There weren't enough people. There weren't enough people to create this human partition all the way into the Tchum. Because if they had enough people for him to be able to go through this human partition straight into the inside the Tchum, what would be his question? We already learned before, Rav said, we pass him like Rabbi Gamliel, Bedir, Visar, Usfina, if you were on Shabbos, taken out of your Tchum and you were placed by Goyim into a deer and Sa, which is a place surrounded with a wall, or into a boat, which is also a place that has a Mechitza and it's a Rishusa Yachit. So we see clearly that we pass him like Rabbi Gamliel. Rav said this, isn't it? that's no question. Elavadai, so it must be, Beduloi Molo Gavraskinam. There weren't enough people to create this human partition. And the question was, will it be enough to use this human partition to come close enough into the Trum, within two Amis of the Trum, and then he can go in, like Rabbi Yezah's opinion. We could also be medayik this. We can see this in the precise wording that Rav Nachman used, the Ka'amalei He says, create the human partition, and then he adds the word Yikonis, he'll be able to enter. What's Pshat will be able to enter? If you have a human partition that goes all the way into the Trum, you're in already. You go through the human partition, you are inside. What's the additional thing of, and then you can enter? So, what does that mean? What it means is, you're going to get close enough to the Trum within two Amis, but then, once you're that close, you're able to enter. So this is the opinion of Rabbi Yezer that uh, Rav Nachman was giving him the Yitzah, based on that opinion. So it's using both. Yeah, side the human partition, and the opinion of Rabbi Yezer, that you get close enough, you're able to enter. Rav Nachman by Yitzchak asked Rav about this Eitzah here, that you can use a human partition. And the Gemara is going to get into a discussion about this, and we'll see soon. The bottom line is going to be that it's not Pasha to use a human partition. But Pahal Mamish, if you're thinking about doing such an Eitzah today, to use a human partition, it's Pahal not Pasha. So let's see. So Rav Nachman Yitzchak asked the question, Nafal doifno. So we're learning now about sukkah. If you're starting to build your sukkah already, so we have here the halacha of sukkah. Nafal doifne, the sukkah, wall of your sukkah fell down. So you're looking for something to put up a partition for the wall. You can't put up over there, not a person, not a behema, the kalim, or other kalim over there in that place. <coughs> and also, if you had a bed in your sukkah, so don't stand up your bed, and to spread out a sheet in your bed to create a wall there. Why? 
you're not allowed to make even in temporary oil, to create a new temporary oil on Shabbos, on Yontif that is, and needless to say, on Shabbos. Okay, so here we have one B'raise that says that you can't put an Odom, a Behemah, so to use the Odom and a Behemah to create a partition on Yontif or on Shabbos, you can't use it for, for a wall of a Sukkah. So why shouldn't we say the same thing over here? The Eitz of Rav Nachman was to create a machitza, a human machitza. We see that you can't do that when you get to the sukkah, that the wall fell down. Amalei, so Rav Nachman, so Rav said, At Amrit Limeho, you're asking me a question from this b'raisa, where it says that you can't create a human partition, or the truth is even kalim, or, or a, a, any temporary machitza on Shabbos or Yom Tif. I'll bring you a different b'raisa where it says that you could. What does it say? If you're missing a wall for your sukkah, your, your friend, you can put your sta- friend to stand there as a wall, so that you can drink, eat and drink and sleep in the sukkah. You could also stand up a bed and hang a sheet over it. In order that the sun should not uh, go on a dead body, you want it to be in the shade. And also food, that food shouldn't get spoiled. So you see over here that you could, you could create a temporary mechitza on Shabbos. And also one of the examples that use, that's used is that you're using a person to create this temporary mechitza on Shabbos and Yontav in a sukkah. It's interesting that Ashi points out over here, and we'll see soon this will be also relevant for the Hemshech of the Gemara, when it talks about using chaveira, using a person for a mechitza, in this second b'raisa, what does it say? You're telling the person to stand there for the, in order that you should be able to eat, drink, and sleep. So Rashi says, Iker shal The main mitzvah of sukkah is these three things. Eating, and drinking, and sleeping in the sukkah. This is something which um, the Rebbe speaks about in the famous Sikha, about sleeping in the sukkah. There, the Rebbe actually brings from the Rogachava. The Rogachava says the Svara, that the Iker mitzvah of, sleep, of the sukkah is actually the dira which is, what's the main dira of a person? Eating and drinking. When do we make a bracha? Leishev basukkah. Only on eating and drinking. If you stand a tile in the sukkah, or even if you go to sleep in the sukkah, for those that sleep in the sukkah, you don't make a bracha leishev basukkah on the sleeping in the sukkah. Because it's not, so the Rogachov says, the reason is because the, regarding sleeping, you're not allowed to sleep out of the sukkah. But it's not the ikkah dira of a person, so therefore it's not the ikkah mitzvah of the sukkah itself. But the Rebbe and the Sikha brings rayas from the Alter Rebbe and from other places that no, that Shina, sleeping in the Sukkah, is just as much part of the Dida of living in the Sukkah like eating and drinking. Same, same amount. I, why, what's the Indian of not sleeping in the Sukkah? So the Rebbe gives a different answer. There's what it says in the Ramah about the fact that there's a Tsar, and then the Rebbe says that there's a Tsar from the Makif and the Bina, whatever it is, Mitztayr Patim Sukkah. That's the basis of the way the Rebbe explains why we don't sleep in the Sukkah. But as far as, why, why don't we make a bracha on Shina B'Sukkah? So this is based on the Shit of Rabbeinu Tam. Rabbeinu Tam says that Chachamim were Mesakin, that you should make the bracha on the eating and the drinking, and that, that will go on everything else. That will patter all the other things that a person does. Everything else is also part of the Dira Besukkah, but Bapayal, they put the bracha on the eating and the drinking, and that part is everything else. But here, you see this in Rashi. Rashi says that the, the Dira, the, the Iker Mitzvasa, is Gimel Dvaram Alolo, eating, drinking, and sleeping. No one goes to sleep. 
Bishas is sleeping, but Megait Shlofen, when Megait Shlofen, okay? Okay, so the Etzim Shlofen, the sleep is not, okay, so the Ragachova says that it's not, it's, it's, it's only, you know, only not a lot of sleep outside of this, okay? But the Svarim is not common sense that the Ikadira is sleeping. Eating, you can eat anyway. Well, so we're learning over here. One of the things we're learning here, when you get the Erev you also see that the Ikadira of a person is Dafka the food. Because uh-huh. where, where does a person establish a Shvisa for Erev Tchumen? He doesn't have to go to sleep there. Yeah, you put food there. So you see that again, that the food establishes where a person, if you know you have a place where you can eat, so then that's more the Das of a person, that is Ikadira. If you have a place where you can sleep, but there's no food available, so then where would you rather go? In a place where you have food. So that, uh, again, you see the ikadir of a person is the food. But when you get to sukkah, Rashi says all three. Interesting. This is interesting Rashi here. Okay, so now the Gemara basically pointed out that we have here a contradiction. In one b'raisa it says that you can't make a temporary uh, wall to make up for the wall of your sukkah that fell. And in another b'raisa it says you could. So the Gemara says, no, so kashina, dodi. We have a contradiction of these two b'raises. So the Gemara, kashia. No, it's not a question. This could be connected to a machlaikis that we learned already in Masech the Shabbos a few times. A machlaikis between Rabbeliezer and Rabbanon regarding creating an oil aray on Shabbos. The Tanan we learned there in the Mishnah, shutters of a window. Rabbeliezer says, Are you allowed to put up these shutters on the window on Shabbos or Yantif? So Rabbeliezer says, Only bizman shekosher v'toli. If it was connected to the wall already, and it's suspended off the ground, then piking and by. Then you're allowed to shutter the window with it. Vim lav, ain't piking and by. Otherwise you can't. If it's connected, so then it's already part of it. It's, you're not doing anything new. It's there already. You're just closing it. Whether it's connected to the wall, whether it's not, you're allowed to shutter the windows with it. So what do you see over here? That there's a machleikis, benigeh, to shuttering the windows, which is an oil aray. It's, you're making an ara, you can you shutter it and you take it off. So you see this machlaik is about making an addition to the wall, an oil ara on Shabbos and Yom if you're allowed or not. So we can apply the same machlaik over here, but again to the sukkah, and we're allowed to tell a person to stand there or put up a bed or put some kalim there to create this oil ara on Shabbos and Yom for the wall that I need for the sukkah. So Shabbos, who is this kavua? Huh? Who is this kavua? Where, by the Shabbos. On Shabbos it's yeah. Arai? Where? For the windows yeah. you're talking yeah, about? Sorry. No, it's not called Arai because it's... it's yeah, uh, the, 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 huh? Kavua, it's not Arai. Asukis Kavua is Zidu No, but even by the house, the, the shutters that you t- put on a window is also considered to be Arai because it's not like a roof or a wall. It's just a shutter that you put on and off. But the Gemara now asks, it's not only is it Arai, Vaha We learned this in Shabbos. The Gemara says, Omar Abba Baba Chon, Omar Abba you're not allowed to make an oil aray, not on Yantiv, and then for sure not on Shabbos. So what's the machlekes Rabbi Yezah and the Chachamim? The whole argument was only to add. Once you have already a wall there, you have the window there, you just want to add the shutter to be moisif on this oil, that's the machlekes. That you are allowed to add. So we see over here that the whole machlekes has only been a gate to adding. So that's not shy to what we're talking about over here, where we want it, you want to make a whole wall. Your whole wall fell. It's not just a shutter of a window. So who's so how could you connect it to that machlekes? 
There's another Tana we could connect this to, maybe. There's a machlekes between Rab Meir and Rab Yehuda. The Tanya we learned in Abraise also a behemah doifin lesukeh. Could you bechlal use a behemah, or for that matter, also a human being as a wall for a sukeh? So Rab Meir says, if you made an animal as a wall to a sukeh, Rab Meir paisel. Rab Meir says you can't use an animal for a wall of a sukeh because the animal could get up and walk away. Uh, only if you tie down the animal, so then it's going to be a good wall. But otherwise, you can't use an animal for the wall of the sukeh. Rab Yehuda machshe. And Rabbi Yehuda says, you are allowed. Rabbi Meir, the Kapostle Hossam, so Rabbi Meir that says that you can't use an animal for the sukkah, so if you put a, a human being there, you put an animal there, you haven't accomplished anything. It's Bachlal, not a mechitza. So therefore, according to Rabbi Meir, the Braise says you would be allowed to have the person or the, or, or the animal be there. You could put it over there because you, you didn't create a mechitza. You didn't now create your sukkah for the mitzvah. Didn't do anything. So hachashari, therefore it's allowed. The lav midikov, you didn't accomplish anything when you did this on Shabbos or Yontif. But Rabbi Yehuda, the kamachshir hasam, Rabbi Yehuda that says that if you use a behemoth or a person for the wall of Yisukeh, it's good. It's, you're making now kosher Yisukeh, you accomplish something for the mitzvah. Alma mechitzihi, so it is a mechitzah. So hachasa, so therefore over here to do this on Shabbos and Yontif, it's not allowed because you accomplished something. You created the oil, you did it for the mitzvah of Sukkah. This is the answer the Gemara gives here in the state of the Braises. This answer is, is uh, the Gemara is going to ask now many questions on this answer. It doesn't make any sense. Rashi right away points out, and this is a question that the Gemara doesn't even ask. The Braise clearly said, in the Braise that it said that it's allowed, that the reason it's allowed is in order that you should be able to eat, drink, and sleep in the sukkah. What's the Gemara saying now? You know why it's allowed? Because it's a puzzle and mechitza. It didn't accomplish anything. That's why it's allowed. But it's said in the Braise that you're allowed to do it in order that it should be a kosher sukkah, that you can eat and drink over there. So how can we say that it's allowed because it's possible? But the Gemara asks other questions. Is this a Svarek? Could you say that this Machlaikis, the two Braises that we brought here, is connected to the Machlaikis of Rav Meir and Rav Yehuda? Before, so we brought away the Machlaikis of Rav Meir, Rav Yehuda, only been a gay to a behemah and an Adam, a human being, whether that's a good mechitza or not. A behemah, that is. Let me read that again. But only behemah. Adam vekelem mishametle. Did he ever speak about Adam and Kalem? So actually, it only says behemah, not Adam and not Kalem either. So the whole Machlaikis doesn't apply to what we're talking about here in these Braises. The, the stira of the Braises was also speaking about a human being and even putting Kalim there. So it's not speaking only about Behemoth. How could you connect it to that Machlaikis? So another question is Rab Meir Ali Bideman. Rab Meir that says, you're telling me now that because Rab Meir says that it's possible for the mitzvah of Sukkah, so therefore Rab Meir says you could put up this wall there. Even though your mom is creating a wall, but because it didn't do anything for the mitzvah of sukkah, it's okay. According to who did Rab Meir go? Would he go according to the opinion of Rabbi Yezer that we quoted before? Rabbi Yezer says, you're not even allowed to add shutters to the window. Even that's not allowed. When you're adding the shutters for the window, you're not accomplishing anything for the mitzvah. You're not, right? And, and still, Rabbi Yezer says, you're not allowed to add shutters to the window. So how would you be allowed to put up a behemoth as a mechitzah, even if it didn't accomplish anything for the mitzvah, but you're adding a wall? Fact is, you're putting the behemoth there to create that partition. El alibe de Rabbanon. So Rabbi Meir would go according to the Rabbanon. 
Rabbanan only allowed to add the pekak to the chalayim, to add the shadows to the window. L'chatchile miyamar. Do the Rabbanan allow to create a wall, even l'chatchile? So this whole point that the Gemara tried to say here, that because the wall you put up, it wasn't machshir the sukkah, so therefore the wall is not considered to be a wall, the Gemara is saying this whole concept is not true. We see the machlaikas of Rabbi Yez and the Rabbanon regarding creating a pakak for a chalayin, the shutters for the window. Over there, the, the chalayin, it's not creating anything for a mitzvah. And still, we see that only to add to an existing wall is there a machlaikas if it's allowed or not. But to put a behemoth there, adam there, kalim there, to create a wall when you're not adding, for sure it's not allowed, according to everybody. So therefore the Gemara says another pshat. Ella, rather what we have to say is, the two braises about the sukkah, whether you're allowed to put up a wall for the sukkah on Shabbos in any of these ways, hava rabbanon. We're only going according to the rabbanon, and what we're talking about over here is something else. V'kelim, akelim le'kashya, the contradiction whether you can put their kelim to add to your, to your sukkah when the wall fell down, it's not a question. It depends which wall fell down. What's the halacha by sukkah? How many walls do you need for a sukkah? Three walls, not four walls. You only need three walls. Our minute gives the that we make four walls to have the full makif of the sukkah from all sides. But the halacha is you only need three walls. So if the person had a sukkah that had three walls and the third wall fell down, so then, because, because now he's putting up, right, he's, when you have a, a sukkah that only has two walls, it's bachlal not called an oil. It's not, it's not a, so when you put up that third wall, you're creating an oil. So that's going to be a problem. But but if you're putting up the fourth wall, so then it's already an oil. It's already, because it once it has three walls, it's already a kosher to sukkah. You're adding a fourth wall. That's called adding to an existing oil. The fourth wall is taken not making an oil. Here you're only adding to an existing oil. And that's exactly like the opinion of the Rabbana that say that you can put up the shutters on the window when you're adding to an existing oil. That's when it would be allowed. They kenami, the ktani, nofal doifno. In the Braise, where it says that it's not allowed, what does it say? Doifno, its wall. What does its wall mean? So it actually explains the wall that it needs, the wall that makes it a sukkah. That wall, daifna, the wall that makes it a sukkah, fell. In other words, there were three walls before, and now the third wall fell, and it's only two walls, and you're putting back up a wall that is going to make it into an oil. That's not allowed. Shmami, no, we see that that's the pshat and the b'raisa. Okay. <clears throat> you want to go weiter? Elo, Odom, Odom, Kashia. Now, the question, the stira that we had, Adam Adam, is still going to be a question. Why is it still a question? Why can't we give the same answer for Adam Adam? So Rashi explains, because it says in the Braise that when you're putting up the wall, the human partition, what does it say in the Braise? Why are you putting up the wall of the Adam? In order that you should be able to eat, drink, and sleep in the sukkah. Meaning, before you put up that wall of the Adam, you can't eat and drink in the sukkah. Why? Because you didn't even have three walls. Now you only had two walls. So we can't give the answer that we just gave, that in the Braise where it says that you're allowed to put up the mechitza of the Adam is because it already had three walls. The Fedish says in the Braise, before you put up the wall, you couldn't eat and drink in the sukkah. So what's going to be our answer when you get to using a human partition? So here the Gemara says another answer. Adam, Adam, Nami Kashi, this is not a question. Kan Ladas, Kan Shalomidas. There's a difference if you're using a person and that person is aware that you're using him as a mechitza, then it's not allowed. 
Only if you're using a person that he's unaware that he's being used as a mechitze, he's standing in that position and he doesn't know that he's being there for that purpose, then it's allowed to use the person. So Rashi explains, when you use a person that knows he's being used for a mechitze, so then, again, if you're using a person, he doesn't know that he's being used for a mechitze, so the reason why it's allowed is because ain derech binyim bekach. Okay, he's, he's, he's I'm standing there. He doesn't even know he's standing there to be part of the wall. Right? If a person knows that I have to stand here in this position and I'm serving here as this oil, sometimes you do use the, a human partition for at least temporarily, oil aray, for that purpose. But if the person, if you, if you get him to stand in that position and he doesn't even know why he's standing there, Bakhlal, so Rashi says, Ein derech binyim bekach. So therefore, therefore it's not going to be considered to be a wall. That's the answer of the question over here. Benigay to the Sinyan. Frek to Gemara now, the whole discussion was brought up. Benigay to Nechemia, the Breder of Chaniloi. What happened? He went out of the Tchum and they created a human partition for him to be able to enter back into the Tchum. So Frek to Gemara, now that you came to this conclusion about using a human partition, that it depends if the people that are being used for this are aware of it or not. Wasn't it Ladas? Weren't the people that were there as a human partition aware of this? So they can't be used for this? It was Shalemidas, the people that were going to be used for this to have him be able to go back into the Tchum. They weren't aware of this. Ravchista was told this Eitzah. So he, he's aware that we're doing it for this purpose. So he knew. So how could he be part of this partition? So himself arranged for this to happen, that the people that will come out and will walk in that area and they'll be standing in that position, but he himself wasn't part of this mechitza. If even only one person that's part of this human mechitza is aware, even if you have 10, 20, 50 people, whatever number of people it is, none of them know that they're being used, but this one person that's in a position that he, he cre- creates a gap of more than three tfachim and it's not love, then he knows, so then it's not going to be a good mechitza anymore. Right? So, so, so here you see the Pail Mamish regarding using this Eitzah of a human partition. So first of all, in the Ramah it says that this whole thing is Bidiyevet. It's an Eitzah, Bidiyevet, if you went out of the Tchum, or talking about the Sukkah, the wall fell on Shabbos and Yom Tif, and the person doesn't have a way to eat and drink, so Bidiyevet, you can use such an Eitzah. So that's first of all, the whole thing is only Bidiyevet. Second of all, this whole Bidiyevet is only if the person that's being used doesn't know. If the person is aware, then it's not good. And we're going to see here in the Hemshchot the Gemara, the Gemara brings stories about this. That in, in most cases, the person is going to be aware, especially if you're doing it more than once. You're asking a person to stand, stand right over there, go a little bit further, go right over there. The person's going to know what, what he's going to chapsach, what's going on over there, so you can't do it. Gemara brings a story. Hanu b'nei ganona. There were people that were b'nei ganona. We had this before. These were people that would prepare the chuppis for the chasen and the kala. They brought water from out of the Tchum, or they brought water into the Shusayachet, maybe from the Shusayachet, into the Shusayachet. How did they do it? They used a human wall to create a place that you're, you'll be able to bring it in. Nagdinu Shmuel. Shmuel gave them uh, Malkus for this. Because Omari said, if they allowed this to be done, when the people that are being used for this wall are unaware of this, could this be done the way they did it? They did it with the people being aware that they're being used as a human partition to bring in the, uh, the water. So that's not allowed. Hanuziki, 
there were uh, barrels of, uh, of, of water or wine, whatever it is. Rashi says, uh, those barrels of uh, that were thrown on the floor in the marketplace of Mechuzah, which uh, apparently belonged to Rava, as we'll see here. So Bahadid also Rava Mipirke, when Rava came back from his shear from learning, they brought it in for him, for Shabbos, for the Suda. Again, let me read it again. They brought it in for him, how? With all the people that were walking with Rava, so there was a human partition. So they brought these barrels in between the people that were walking, so they were able to bring it in, in between, inside the spechitza of people. It came the next Shabbos, they wanted to bring it in the same way. And Rava said, it's not allowed. Why? Because once you do it a second time, even if they're walking in that direction anyways, but it's as if they're aware of this, they know that you're bringing it in for this purpose and if also. Levi, Ailu Tivne, by Levi they brought in Tevin, they brought in straw. Ziiri, Aspasta, Ziiri brought in Aspasta. Avshimi, Barchia, Maya, he brought in water, all using a human mechitze, and again, only in a way that they weren't aware that they're being used for this purpose. As long as it's being done the first time, and it's in a way that they're not aware, it's possible to do this with the Yevet. But if it's being done for the second time, we can't be saying this anymore. Because it's, um, one, huh? Yeah. If it's da ladas, it's like it's derech binyan. Yeah. Yeah, because for mechitzah aray, sometimes you do use a person to create a partition. If it's shalay ladas, so then it's ain derech binyan bekach. You're just telling the person to stand there, and the, the, the binyan happens memele. He doesn't even know what he's doing bechla. It's good that everyone's done the otherwise they would know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I don't know what the, why specifically these things, but he's just showing you that they, they, they used it. Yeah. A person that left his Tchum Shabbos with permission. And Rashi gives you two examples. For someone that was going to say Eidos for the new month, you're allowed to go even on Shabbos. Or a person that was going out for Pekuach Nefoshes. And on his way, he's outside of the Tchum, but they told him wherever you were going for was accomplished already. So for example, the Eidus already said, was said already for the new month or whatever you were going out for Pekoch Nefashos was accomplished already. So now he's outside of the Tchum and he went out with permission. Wherever he is, from that place, he has 2,000 Amas to each side to go. He went out with the Chacham and he doesn't have to stay in his Dal Damas. If he was still inside the Tchum, it's as if he didn't go out. The Gemara is going to explain what this, what this means. There's no Chiddush to this. If, obviously, if he's in his Tchum. Anybody that goes out to save somebody, could go back to their place. So okay, this, this as well, the Gemara will explain what's the Chiddush in this case. So the Gemara. My, what's the meaning of the sec, uh, second statement of the mission here? If you were inside the Tchum, as if you didn't go out. Isn't that Poshet? This is the Pshad over here. If you were within the Tchum of your house, so even though you went out of your house, but you're still in the city, you're still within 2,000 amos of your house, it's as if you didn't leave your house and you could walk in your original Tchum where you are. 
That's also obvious. If a person is still in his tchum, he can still walk around wherever he wants in his tchum. Why not? That's, we know that. I would think, there would be a swara to say, when you leave your house with the intention to stay within the tchum, then I say, say you can walk around wherever you want in the tchum. But if you, when you left your house, you were planning on leaving the tchum because you was going to say Eidus and Kiddush HaChadish or to save someone. So the moment you left your house with that intention, maybe I would say it's as if you already left the tchum even before you did. Kamash Malan, therefore the Mishnah says, no. If you're still in the tchum, even if you had kavana to go out of the tchum, it doesn't matter. You're still considered to be in your tchum. That's Rav's Pshat, Rav's Pshat. Rav Shimi Bachiyoma, Hachikoma, the Pshat of here is different. Here we actually are talking about a person that left this Tchum. Im hoyu Tchumin, shenosnu leichachamim, muvlon betoich Tchum shaloi. Let's say a person left this Tchum, but how far out did he leave his Tchum? He left, let's say, only 1,000 Amas out of his Tchum. So now, at that point, he found out that he doesn't have to go any further. He's not needed anymore. So now Chachamim said, where you are, you have 2,000 Amis to walk around wherever you are. So now your new Tchum that Chachamim gave you where you are overlaps on your original Tchum where you were in the beginning of Shabbos. That's what we're talking about here. It's as if you didn't go out of your Tchum because it overlaps your original Tchum. You can enter back into your original Tchum and you can go wherever you want. That's the Chiddush over here. Huh? He went out of, the tchum. Went out of his tchum, okay, so but when it says when it says in the Mishnah that he's that he meaning his new tchum is now overlapping into his old tchum that he was in, and therefore you can walk back in. The tchum is two thousand amos. Right. So if he went, he went what? He went thousand. out another thousand amos. Ah, let's say. Uh, right. Uh-huh. But now in that new place, he has another two thousand amos to go amos. around. Okay. So that overlaps his original tchum. Not Moish. Moish is something else. Huh? If it's more than a thousand, I say. Well, I'm, I'm giving a muscle of a yeah. thousand, but if it's overlapping, it could be overlapping even one ama. So what's the argument here between Rappa and Abshimi Bachia and these two Pshatim in the Mishnah? Mar Savar, Abshimi Bachia holds, have lost Milsihi. The fact that your new Tchum is getting swallowed in, it, it overlaps in the old Tchum, that's good. You can be able to go in. Marsavar, Rabbi says, Lav Milsi. No, we can't rely on that. You have a new Tchum now, you don't go back to your old Tchum, even though it overlaps, you're only allowed to go the 2,000 Amas of your new Tchum, the fact that it overlaps doesn't help me. Okay, the Gemara is going to continue on this subject in the Hemshech of the next time. we'll see tomorrow. Mitzvah. Okay, so we learned yesterday, we're here on Memdalad Amad Beis, towards the bottom, and the Gemara brings an argument here between Rabbi and Avshimi Barchia regarding a case where a person had his original Tchum Shabbos when Shabbos began. But then he was allowed to go out of his Tchum either because he was going to be a witness for Kiddush HaChadish, and you're allowed to go out for that, or to save someone's life. So then, in the middle of the way, he <coughs> was told that he doesn't have to go any further, he's not needed anymore, so now he has a new Tchum Shabbos where he, where he stopped. So the question is, if his new Tchum Shabbos overlaps his old Tchum, do I say that because it overlaps, he's allowed to enter back into his original Tchum? Or I say, no, even if it overlaps, he can't go back in. He has this new Tchum that was established for him where he is now. And that's the Tchum of 2000 Amas that he can go and not more. That was the Machlokes of Rabbe and Avshimi Barchir. Avshimi Barchir says it overlaps, he could enter in, and Rabbe said he can't. So the Gemara is going to ring a few questions of this. Amulei Abayel Rabbe, about five lines from the bottom. 
Will you not agree that when you have two tchumen that overlap each other, that that's something that is, could be accepted, that now he can go into his old tchum? And he brings the following example. What would happen if a person is, takes up his dwelling for Shabbos? We're in a, in a uh, cave. Okay, now we're talking here about a cave. If you want to take a look in the Rashi, you have the picture here in the Rashi. But you probably have a picture in the back as well. We're talking about a cave that has two openings on both sides. And this cave, on the, ba- the inside of the cave, what's the size of the cave? Do they have a picture here? Hmm? Just a second. Yes, picture Reish Mem Zayin. Okay, so on picture Reish Mem Zayin, you see you have a cave here. The actual opening of the cave itself, oh, sorry, the, the size of the floor of the cave is 4,000 amas, which is two tchumen, it's the length of two, two, twice tchum Shabbos. But if you see the opening, so now because he has the opening on both sides of the cave, the halacha is that you're dwelling inside the cave, so now you can travel from either from either opening of the cave, you can travel 2,000 amas. If you come out from the Mizrach side, so you have 2,000 amas to go there. If you travel on the, if you come out on the Maidav side, you can ta- travel 2,000 amas on that side. So you really have 2,000 amas on both sides. And then you also have the, the, the roof above the cave. That area above the cave is, is also less than 2,000 amas on each side. It's less than 2,000 amas. If you, you see over here, the way the opening is made, so the opening slants inward. So the roof is less space than the actual 4,000 amas that there is on the bottom. So you have two trumen that overlap each other. A bit, just a bit. Just, uh, they overlap each other. That's the case we're talking about over here. So let's see. So a person is in this cave for Shabbos. Inside the cave, there's 4,000 tamas. Valgaga pochis marabas alofen. And, in, and uh, on the roof on top of this cave, because the opening on both sides is slanted, so there's less than 4,000 amas. So loy nimtza mahalachas kula, would you not agree that now it comes out that he could walk the entire length of this cave itself? And you could also walk on both sides of the cave, 2,000 amas. And also, so really he has two tchumen, this person, because there's two entrances of the cave, so he can go on both sides. He can come out from one cave of one side, and he has 2,000 amas over here and 2,000 amas here, and he can come out from the other door, because there's two entrances, so he can come out from either way, and he's allowed to go tchumen either way. Now, the question is, if you're going from one, so does that mean that you can enter into the other tchum or not? So over here, because it overlaps each other, these two tchumen overlap each other, so you can go from one end to the other end. So this person is going to be allowed to walk about almost close to 8,000 amas, because these two tchumen that he now has, because of these two entrances, overlap each other. What? So even if he comes out from one entrance, but because the two tchumen overlap each other, right in the middle, it overlaps a little bit, so he's allowed to go from one to the other, all the way from one end to the other end. But how do you come up to 8,000? Because you have, you have 2,000 here and 2,000. Correct. 2,000 on one side, 2,000 on the other side, and then the roof on the top is close to 4,000 amas. Right, but so two, two, and four. Go only 2,000 only. 
Again? I thought he was allowed only 2,000 to go. He can go either 2,000 to one side or 2,000 to the other side. Right. But so either, either exit he takes out of the cave, we give him the 2,000 arms to go this way or 2,000 arms to go the other way. So it comes out that it, uh, the, the 2,000 arms that are in the middle, on the roof, above of this cave, are going to be overlapping each other. So when you have two tchumen that overlap each other, he's allowed to go the full length. <coughs> From one end to the other. If you have, if they're not overlapping each other, so then your tchum ends over here, and then the tchum that comes from the other exit is a different tchum. He came out from this, from this uh, exit. It doesn't overlap. But if it does overlap, it can go from one end to the other. Really, every person can go four thousand numbers. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the point of it. Yeah. Here we can go double. Correct. So, so, so Abai is asking Rabbi, would you not agree in such a kind of a case where the Tchumen overlap each other that you can, that you can uh, lay nimtzam alachas kula v'chutzal al-payamama? Amalei, so Rabbi answers, v'loi shoniloch, is it not a difference to you? Ben heiched de shavas ba'aver mechitzes meboid yoyim. In a case where the person is within the mechitzis of this area that has 4,000 amas in it, and there's these two exits out of this cave, or to a case where the person is not in a place where he has two tchumen overlapping each other, what's the case that we're talking about in our Mishnah? When Shabbos began, he was in one tchum, he was in the city in one tchum. Now in the middle of Shabbos, he had to leave that Tchum and go into a new Tchum. And it was a new Tchum established for him. So even though these two Tchum overlap each other, but he wasn't in one place on Shabbos in a situation where as Shabbos entered, these two Tchum were overlapping each other. That happened later on Shabbos itself, so therefore it's not the same thing. Okay, so therefore he says it's not a comparison. You can't compare the case of our Mishnah with two Tchum that overlap each other to this case. I'll bring you another case. In a case where a person did not, when Shabbos came in, he was not in a place where he had another tchum that overlapped his original tchum. Will I not say that if you have overlapping another tchum into the original tchum that he cannot enter? But now we learned in the Mishnah, this is later here in this Pedic. If a person leaves the tchum, on Shabbos, but he only left the Tchum two Amis. So then he can come back in. What's the Pshat? Why is he allowed to come back in? Gimbal Yakanis. If he left three, then he can't come back in. What's the Pshat? When a person leaves the Tchum Shabbos, how much are you allowed to walk when you leave the Tchum Shabbos? Four Amis. What's four Amis? Two Amis to each side. It's like you're in the middle of the four Amis, and you could only walk two Amis to each side. So says Rebbe Yezah, if you walked out of the Tchum, but you only walked out two Amis, so you could walk two Amis. Those two Amis you can walk, you can walk back into your Tchum, because the space you have to walk will overlap, will, will give you the ability to enter back into your original Tchum. So what do we see over here that Rebbe Yezah says, that as long as it overlaps and it takes you back into your original Tchum, you're not going to say you have a new space now that Chachamim gave you because you left your Tchum, so you only have these four Amas and you can't go back in. No, if it overlaps, if you're close enough, you can go back in. So my love, Rabbi the when a person has four Amas, he's in the center of those four Amas. And therefore the four Amas that Rabbanan gave this person in this situation that he only walked out two Amas, so therefore those two Amas are overlapping to the Tchum that he came from, the Ka'amar Yikonis, and Rabbi Yezah says, he can go back in. So just like we apply that to this case, 
Why shouldn't we apply it also when a person has a new tchum and his new tchum overlaps his original tchum that he can go back in? Alma I've lost tchum and milsihi. So I see that the overlapping of a new tchum, or in this case it's the two amas that overlaps his original tchum, that that's significant and he can go back in. You're asking a question from the opinion of Rabbi Yezer? Why, why are you asking from him? We don't pass him like Rabbi Yezer. Um, you're asking a question to Rabbi? Yes, I am asking from Rabbi Yezer. Because I heard from Rabbi, the Rabbanan only disagreed with Rabbi Yezer. When a person left his tchum for Dvar Rishos Yistam, he walked out from his tchum, so then he can't go back in if he's within two Amis of his original tchum. But if a person left his tchum for Dvar Mitzvah and he's within two Amis, you are allowed to go back in. So over here, what were we talking about in our Mishnah? We were talking about a person that left his tchum to go say Eidus for Kiddush HaChedesh or for Pekoch Nefashis for a purpose of a mitzvah in such a case. That the Rabbana would be made that if it overlaps, then you can go back in. So therefore, this remains a question on Rabbi's opinion. Why should you not be allowed to go back into the Tchum if your new Tchum overlaps your original Tchum? And he went out for a Dvar Mitzvah. Okay, the Gemara. Yeah, usually the Gemara says in such a thing, Kashi, it doesn't say, but yeah, the Gemara, the Gemara doesn't give an answer. So the Gemara they said in the Mishnah, V'chol ha-yaitzin l'hatzil. Those that go out of the Tchom to save somebody, could go back to their place. Even if the person went out totally from his Tchom and uh, his, his new Tchom is not anymore overlapping his original Tchom, even in such a case, when he totally, completely went very far from his original Tchom, even then he's allowed to go back. Didn't he say in the Reisha, that if you go out, so you get, you're not going to be limited for four Amis, you get a new Tchum, you're allowed to walk uh, 2,000 Amis to each side, but if it's not overlapping your original Tchum, you can't go back in. So why are we saying over here, even if you go very far, you can go back to your place. Rav Yudamarav says, no, the Chayzer in Mekayman is actually saying a completely different din, not talking about the Tchum here. The Chiddush is that they went out to war with their weapons. So even though they're finished with the, with the battle, nevertheless, you, so you would think that in Shabbos and Allah to carry, they have to drop their weapons right there, and if they want to go back into the city, they have to leave their weapons right there. The Chiddush of Chayzer means they can go back with the weaponry that they brought with themselves. That's the pshat there. Only huh? Only yeah, yeah, we're not, yeah, exactly. Zokta Gemara. Huh? But they can come back also. Right. Zokta Gemara. Now the Gemara goes back to the question. What was our question when we were asking that Vafilatuva, that he can go out uh, even if he left so far, totally away from the Trum, that he can come back? What's the question? Our question was because in the Reisha it said that you could only go back if your new Tchum overlaps your old Tchum. So the Gemara says maybe the Reisha was talking about a case that a person went for Kiddush HaChadish or for another purpose, but for a mitzvah. But of here, maybe Pekuch Nefashis were more mekel. Maybe for Pekuch Nefashis a person is allowed to go back even if his new Tchum does not overlap his old Tchum. So what's our question? Elei Kashi, so the Gemara says, you're right. Based on our Mishnah, we would not have a question. 
This was the basis of the question. The Tanam, because we learned in another Mishnah, in Rosh Hashanah, Berishayna, in the beginning, when the Eidus HaChadish would come and they left their Tchom, because they left the Tchom, so they would have to remain in four Amas and they wouldn't be allowed to move. To give them the freedom to move around and they can walk around 2,000 Amas for the Tchom Shabbos. And this doesn't only apply to people that came to say that a, um, a woman that comes to help someone give birth. A midwife, uh, a midwife could also um, go out of her, has the space of 2,000 Amas. And then it also says there in the Mishnah, Someone that comes to save from an army, from a river that's overflowing, or from a wall that fell, or from a fire. All these people that are coming for Pekuach Nefashis, they're like the people of the city. And they have the 2,000 Amas for every side to go. So, on this, over here, it said in the mission that they have the 2,000 Amis, and that's all. They only have the 2,000 Amis. On this, the question was asked, the Suloi, they only have 2,000 Amis. Like a person that came for Kiddush HaChadosh, or a midwife that came to give birth. But you said, that even if they left very far, completely out of their original Tchum, they can go back, to, go back to their original city, to their original Tchum. That was the stira. So we have a contradiction, not from the ratio of our Mishnah, but from a Mishnah in Mesech to Rosh Hashanah. A even if they're very far, they can go back. So on this, the answer is, they cannot go back. But what it means is, that they can bring back their weapons, with them, wherever they're going back to, they can bring their weaponry with them. They don't have to leave their weapons right over there where they finish the battle. They're allowed to carry it back. And the Gemara soon is going to explain why. Oh, right here. It says in the Braisa, In the beginning, when they would finish a battle, and they would go back, so they didn't want to carry on Shabbos, but they don't have to. So they would put their weapons in a house near the wall of the city, so they shouldn't have to carry more. One time, the, the, the enemies saw with the Yidin war, and they began chasing the Yidin again. And the Yidin ran into this house to take their weapons to fight back. They didn't have their weapons with them. And the Goyim that were chasing them, the enemies that were chasing them, followed them into this house. And so the Yidin, they were inside this house and they were trying to get their weapons and they were being chased. So they ended up killing each other and they, they, they died even more than what they died, what the Goyim killed from them. So this, they, they put themselves into danger by leaving their weaponry in this house. So at that time they were masakin, they instituted that when they go back to their place, they should go back together with their weapons. They should always be protected. Even after the battle, they have to have their weapons with them. Is only Mama still. Yeah, you, the, you get the space of Alpayamama. Correct. But you can't go back to the original Trum. Correct. So they can go back, but they won't be able to go back to the city. But wherever they're going back to, they can take their Klezion together with them. They always have to have their Klezion together with them in order that such a situation should not happen, that they should be attacked again. Rav Nachman by Yitzchok Rav Nachman by Yitzchok says, Loi Kasha. It's not a question. He says a different shot. There is a case where you have Goyim that, uh, huh? sorry, Yidin that is, that defeated the Goyim. 
So in such a case, when the Yidin defeated the Goyim, so then they're not allowed to carry their uh, Klizayim with them, because they already defeated the Goyim, and they're not afraid that they're going to be attacked again. And, the, and Khan Shinotzlu Umasa in a case where the Goyim uh, defeated the Yidin, so over here the Yidin are retreating. They're retreating from the battle, so over here it's possible that the Goyim will attack them again. So over here they're they're allowed to carry their weaponry and they're allowed to go back into their city. Even more. Yeah. So it depends what the situation was. The Goyim that placed siege on the cities of Yidin. You're not allowed to go out with them to, uh, to, with your with your weapons on Shabbos. You can't be Machal Shabbos for this. We learned so too in Abraisa this exact thing. Exact statement of what Rav said. But it clarifies. That's only if they place siege on the city for any to, to settle some kind of a monetary dispute. Or they want to steal. But if they're coming because they're here to kill and the, the Eden's lives are in danger, Yidin are allowed to go out on Shabbos with their weapons and be Machal Shabbos to fight them off. But if it's a city that's near the border, even if they did not come to fight and to kill, they're just coming because they want to steal just straw and stubble. You can go out with your weapons and fight them on Shabbos because it's a danger by the border city. If you allow them to enter into the border city, so we hear Rashi says, once they enter into the border city, so it's Noyachlikovish, they'll be able to enter in and then they'll, be, they'll want to go and conquer the rest of the city. In Bavel, it's like a city that's on the border. Viterguma, they explained what he was referring to is Neherda. The city of Neherda, even though it wasn't a border city, but Rashi says it was a city that was with Yidin, and um, it was uh, the, the whole Yiddish neighborhood ended with Neherda. On the other, on one side of Neherda was Goyim that lived there, and on the other side of Neherda was the whole entire Yiddish settlement of Babel. So Neherda was considered to be within Babel itself the end of the Yiddish settlement, and therefore it's considered to be a, a, a city on the border. This is the famous Gemara that the Rebbe mentioned countless of times. And the Rebbe would quote it in the name of, in, in, from Shulchan Aruch, in Simen Shin Chav Tes, to Eretz Yisrael, that um, discussing, negotiating, even anything about giving up any territory on the border, where you open up the border for uh, any Goyim around Eretz Yisrael to come in, and then from there, they have the ability to conquer further into Eretz Yisrael. You see right over here in the Gemara that this is Bekuach Nefashas that Yudei Cheshavis. This was the source that the Rebbe quoted countless times. The Rebbe screamed, that you see here clearly in the Gemara, you can't let your enemy enter into especially a border city. Ganz not, Befeidish not, correct. Correct. It was just about Mamish Bapukuch Nefashas. The Rebbe himself said, that has nothing to do with whether it is Eretz Yisrael. It's not Eretz Yisrael. You see right over here in the Gemara, talks about a case of bubble where you had the Yiddish settlement. And then there was the border city of the Yiddish settlement. That's the border city where you can't allow Goyim to enter there. It's the same thing also when you get to Eretz Yisrael today. Shabbos. Huh? That's, that's, that's no, no, yeah. Eight of It's right over here. It's not in the from the city Biri, it says in the Pasuk, The Plishtim are fighting with Eden in Keilah, and they're taking things from their, from their uh, piles of grain. 
Tana. So we learned, Ke'ila ira smucha l'svarisa. This was a city on the border. They weren't really coming to fight to kill Yidin. They wanted to, to, to steal from the Yidin. So they were taken from their, from their hay, from their wheat. And what does it say in the Pasuk? Should I go and fight with these Pelishtims? Yes, you should fight them. And you should save Keila from the Pelishtim. So the Gemara explains, What was David the Melech asking when he asked whether he should go out and fight the Pelishtim? If you're going to say his question was, that it was talking about Shabbos. And his question was whether he's allowed or not allowed to go and fight with them on Shabbos. The Bezden of Shmuel is there, and therefore you're not, allowed, you're not supposed to be asking from the Urim Vitumim questions of Halacha. Uh, Rashi says, You don't ask from Urim Vitumim. You could ask from the Urim Vitumim what to do about the future, whether you'll be successful or not. But a Shilas of Halacha, you have to ask to, to, to the Bezden. Right? This is based on the idea of Taira Leva Shamaimi. Ella, what was he asking? He was asking, will I succeed if I fight with them or not? So the response was, and you will save Kilo. So over here you see that he was asking about saving Kilo, not, not uh, whether he's going to be successful in saving Kilo or not. From this Lashon, you see that's what he was asking. So what's the, what is the Gemara bringing from here? From here you see a raya that when the Goyim come in a border city like Ki'ilo, which was a border city, so you're allowed to go and fight with them even on Shabbos. So Taisus over here asks the question, how do we know that this wasn't Shabbos? Maybe this was during the week. And uh, the, the Gemara itself says that the whole question that he had was only whether he's going to be successful in fighting them or not. So you can't bring a raya from the response of the Urim Vitumim that he's allowed to do this on Shabbos. So Taisus says, no. That because you see that David Amalek was my son, he went and put his life in danger to go and fight them, even for Iskay, Tevin, Vakash. Why did he be go and fight them? If these Plishtim were just stop stealing money, why did he go and fight with them? LMI, the reason why David Amalek went to fight them was because he knew that if he's going to allow them to enter into a border city, just even to take Tevin, Vakash, they, they could enter into the rest of the city. So here you see the importance of not allowing Goyim to enter into a border city. If a person is in the middle of the way, he's traveling for on Friday and he's and um, he sees that he's so he, he stopped over there in the middle of the way. It was before Shabbos, he was tired and he stopped there. And then he notices that, oh, he's not far from the city. But he didn't intend, he didn't intend to um, establish his Tchum Shabbos over there. He didn't even know that it's within the city. He had no idea. Right, he, so he's going to be there for Shabbos, but he didn't know that he's near a city. He didn't have kavana to establish his, his shvisa over here to be able to enter into the city. So then he only saw it later. He's not allowed to enter into the city on Shabbos. To be like all the people of the city. Right? So basically this person is going to have a tchum to go 2,000 Amis. But let's say his Tchom measures 2,000 Amis into the center of this city. That's where his Tchom ends. He's not allowed to go further, any further in the city. Usually, if you're within the Tchom of a city, you become part of the city, so then you're allowed to go in the entire city. But because Bishas, he established his Tchom out in the middle of the way, he didn't notice that he's near a city, Bichlal. So then the Tchom that he gets is his 2,000 Amis. He's not part of the city. He wasn't aware of that. 
Even if he became aware on Shabbos, he can't become part of the city. David Rav Meir. Rav Yehuda says, Yikonis. He is allowed to enter because he established his tchum. He was, he was shavis within the, the city, close enough to the city, even though he wasn't aware of this, he could enter into the city and be like the rest of the people of the city. Um, Rabbi Yudah Rabbi Yudah said, Maisahoyah, there was a story with Vanichna in such a case where Vanichna stopped Tarfin, Vanichna stopped outside of the city and then he noticed that he's close to the city and on Shabbos he came into the city even though he didn't have Kavana, even though he was unaware that he's, he's close to the city. Yeah, he became part of the city that he could walk in the entire city, even out of the 2,000 Amas that he has from the place that he was. The Gemara brings the full story. And Tafen was going on the way on Friday, and it became dark. And he was there, he slept overnight outside of the city. In the morning, that were shepherds, found him. They told him, the city is right there in front of you. Why don't you enter into the city? He conis, go into the city. Nichnas, he entered into the city, and he sat in the Besamedrish, and he taught Torah the entire day. <coughs> so you see over here that Abtarfan entered into the city, even though he wasn't aware when Shabbos, when he was establishing his dwelling there, that he's close to our city. This was the raya that uh, Rabbi Yehuda brought from Abtarfan. Amrulai, so the Rabbanan or Rabmeir answered him and said, Sham raya. From there there's a raya. Shema Maybe he was aware that there's a city there. He got stuck there. But maybe he was aware that he's close to the city. So he did have kavana to be part of the people of the city. Or maybe there's another option. How do you know that the Besamedesh that it said that he entered into was out of his tchum of where he was? Maybe that Besamedesh was in that part of the city that was within his 2,000 Amis where he was. And he did not leave his original 2,000 Amas. So you have no raya from that case where Rabtarfan entered into the city, into the Bismedrash. It's not Mashal like that. It's Mashal. The Rayim came and told him. Yeah, so the first answer that the Gemara said, that Mshema Hoye Beliboy, it's Mashal that he was unaware. But the second, okay, good, so maybe that's whatever. But the second answer, Bismedrash Muvla Batayt Chumayaya, how do we know that the Bismedrash was out of the Chum? So you can't bring a raya from here. Either way, the Gemara says that it's, it's not clear from this story that Rabtarfan definitely went out of his original tchum. Zakta Mishnah, that is, Mishi Yoshon Badereh, about a person that when Shabbos comes in and you have to establish your, your dwelling, so he was sleeping. Yoshon Badereh, Shecha He didn't know that it became dark. So now the question is, could you establish your Shvisa for Shabbos while you're asleep? Yes, you have 2,000 Amas to every direction. You could establish your, sleep, your, your Shvisa while, you, while you're sleeping. The whole entire concept of establishing a dwelling when Shabbos comes in is if you're aware, if you have Das. But otherwise, if the person is asleep because he didn't establish it with Das, he only has four Amas, there's no Indian of... Um, huh? Yeah, that's, that's the, what Chacham hold. You have to have, we don't paskin like the Chachamim, but uh, you have to have Kavana to be kind of Shvisa, to establish a dwelling wherever it is. For Shabbos, you have to have Kavana, you have to be awake, conscious to establish that. Otherwise, This is what we quoted in the beginning of this Amud. Rabbi Yeza says, when you have four Amis, only four Amis, that doesn't mean that you have four Amis you can walk to each direction. What it means is you could only walk two Amis to each direction. You're in the center and two Amis to each direction. Right. Yeah. 
the Kenyan of the Aldam is a different story. I believe so, but it's a different, totally different story. Rabbi Yudha says, Rabbi says, no, that you have four Amis, each direction. You can walk each direction four Amis. But Rabbi Yehuda agrees, You can choose to walk four Amis to Mizrach, or you can choose to walk four Amis to Maira, but once you choose one direction, then you can't go four Amis in the other direction. If you have two individuals that are together, and they're near each other, and they overlap, the four Amis of one individual is together with the four Amis of the other individual. They can bring food and share food in the middle where their daldamis overlaps. However, they have to be careful that one person should not take out from his daldamis and bring it into his friend's daldamis. Only in that place where it overlaps. There are three individuals. So three individuals that are camping outside and uh, the, uh, they overlap each other. The middle one overlaps on the four Amis of the two people that are on both of the sides. The person on the right of the middle person, the person on the left, could share with him. And they could share with him. The two people on the outside cannot share with each other because their four Amis that they have do not overlap each other. So they can't share with one another. Omar Abshimen Abshimen gives an example for this. Lama David Daimi, what could this be, uh, be compared to? Lashalesh Chatseire Sapsuchais, Zulazu. You have three courtyards, three separate courtyards that have an opening from one to another. Upsuchais Rishusarabin. And each one has a separate opening into the Rishusarabin. Irvu Shtayim Imam Tsayis. In a case where the two side Chatseireis made an Erev with the middle one, they made an Erev Chatseires, that is, with the middle one. Right. So the middle one is now allowed to carry, the, pe- the, the person that's living in the middle chatzar could now carry with the two people on the side that made an aruvi chatzeris with him. The two chatzeris on both sides are allowed to carry together with him. But the two, on the, uh, the two outer courtyards cannot carry together with the person that, uh, with, together with each other because they did not make an of chatzeris with each other. They only made an Eid of Chatzeris with the middle individual. So the Gemara will explain exactly what this case is talking about. We're not talking about a case where the two people on the side made an Eid of Chatzeris and placed the food for the Eid of Chatzeris right over there in the middle. Because if yes, so then the dwelling, the place of the Eid of Chatzeris is all together in one place. So then all three become one dwelling in one place. So then they should be able to carry from one to another. The, the, the two on the side made an aid of Chatzeris together with the one in the middle in a way that the food from the two on the side are not mixed with each other in the same place. They put the food for the aid of Chatzeris either in the houses on the side or in another house in the middle, but not together. So they didn't mix the aid of Chatzeris together. So the one on the right could, could carry with the one in the middle and the one on the left could carry with the one in the middle, but the two on the two, two right and the left cannot carry with each other. They don't have an aid of Chatzeris to carry with each other. Okay, the Gemara begins with the beginning of the Mishnah. A case where a person is asleep. So there's a machlaikis between Rabbi Yechelen, Ben-Nuri and the Chachamim if the, the Shvisa that you established there takes effect. Bayerov asked the question, Maikas of Rabbi Yechelen and Ben-Nuri, what's the basis of Rabbi Yechelen and Ben-Nuri's opinion? Mizbakasavar, do I say that he holds Heftzei Hefker Kainen Shvisa? We had this before. Even an item which is ownerless. And obviously there's no one's das that's establishing its dwelling. 
It's just there on its own. That does Rabbi Yechon hold, even in such a case, such an item, wherever it is, when Shabbos enters, that's where its dwelling is. And therefore, if someone comes on Shabbos and wants to take it and move it from that place, or on Yom Tif, you can carry, you want to move it from that place, that item is kind of in that place, and you could only move the item from its place to Thousand Amas, even though there's no das of any individual that established it. And really the argument between Rabbi Yechenin and the Chachamim should have been even regarding a keli, which is Hefker. The only reason they're arguing about a person that's asleep, to tell you how far the opinion of the Rabbanon goes, that the Rabbanon say that the Eidov does, take, uh, does not take effect. The Afagav, the Ikilameima. Although by a person, there's a swara to say, since when he's awake and he has the das, then it is kaine, even when he's asleep, because potentially he's not just a keli, he's not just a hefker, he's a human being. So even when he's asleep, it should also take effect. That's the chiddush of the opinion of the chachamim, that the edov does not take effect. So the only reason they argued about a person is to show you how far the opinion of the Chachamim goes. But really, Rabbi Yechene ben Nuri himself holds that even a chayfetz, even just an item, which is hefker, the shvisa of the, where it is takes effect when Shabbos comes in. Or perhaps, Kusav Rabbi Yechene ben Nuri, Rabbi Yechene ben Nuri's opinion is, Ba'alme chefzi hefker enkein shvisa. If it's just an item which is hefker, which has no das, so then, there's no shvisa. It doesn't, doesn't take effect. V'hocha, now we hear in our Mishnah, Hainu Taimah, the reason why Rabbi Yechana Benuri holds that the shvisa of a person that's asleep takes effect, hoyl v'neir kona, since if he's awake and he has das, and therefore that shvisa takes effect, yoshanami kona. So therefore, even when he's asleep, he's a human being, and therefore, his shvisa will take effect when he's asleep. That's the Shiloh. When did Rabbi Yechen Benuri say that the Shvisa takes effect? Is it only a human being that's asleep? Or even a physical item that has no das at all? bring you a from It rained before Yomtif. So that rain has, is, wherever the rain lands, so it's kind of, it's dwelling, it's Shvisa right there, and you can carry this rain 2,000 amas to each side. Be Yomtif, if it rained on Yomtif itself, Harein Keragle Kolodom. So then any person that takes that rain, so the, the, the dwelling of that rain will be established according to the person that is going to uh, take that rain. So what's, what's the Pshat over here? The rain that was there before Yomtif, so at the time of Bein Hashmashes, when Shabbos entered, that establishes what it's, where that rainwater, what the Shvis is. Once the rain came on Shabbos itself, so then it didn't establish any Shvisa from before. It comes on Shabbos itself. So therefore, whoever takes it first, whichever person is going to take that water, the space of that rainwater will be according to the person that takes it. So now the Gemara says, what are we talking about over here? We're talking about rainwater. If you're going to say Rabbi Yechen Benuri's opinion is that even just an ownerless item, establishes its dwelling where it is. So then I could say the same thing regarding the rain. This Bryce that says that the rainwater establishes its dwelling when it landed before Shabbos, how does it establish its dwelling? They're like Rabbi Yechenen. You don't need any das of any person. The rain itself is where it is and it establishes its dwelling. But if you're going to say that an item which is hefke does not establish a dwelling at all, 
So who does this b'raisa that says that the dwelling of the rain is where it is? Who is it going according to? Leir Rabbi Yechanan v'Leir Rabbanan. It's not Rabbi Yechanan, not Rabbanan. Yasav Abaye v'Ka'amel Alaho Shmaita. Abaye was teaching this sugya. Amle Rav Safre Labaye. So Rav Safre tells Abaye, how do you know? V'Dilme Begishamim Hasmuchem Leiraskinon. Maybe it's talking about rain that actually fell not in a place that's out of anybody's home. Maybe this rain that came before Shabbos came in a place where there's people of a city there. The people of the city, when the rain falls, they're thinking that we're going to use this rain for Shabbos. And therefore, when it says in the Braise that the rain before Shabbos, when it fell, that it has 2,000 Amis, it means the 2,000 Amis of the people of the city. That's what it means. Amalei, so the Gemara says, no, that can't be. That's not the Pshari. Why? I'll bring you another raya. The Gemara says, I'll bring you another case where you see that even where there's no das of a person at all, that it establishes its dwelling on its own. The rainwater or the whatever it is could establish its dwelling on its own. The Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah, you have a pit of water that belongs to an individual. So then, how far could you carry that water on Shabbos or on Yontif? The person that owns it, his das. You can go as far as the person himself. If it's a pit with water from the people of the city, so then you can go as far as the people of the city with it. If you have a pit of water that's out on the road in a Rishusarabim that's there for the oile bavel that used to go up to be oile regel, and they would uh, use this uh, water from the pit. So it doesn't belong to anybody, it's hefker. So it'll be according to the person that fills it up, he can, he can take it as, as far as he wants. That's one b'raise. So what does it say in this b'raise? That the water that's hefker does not establish its dwelling where it is. What is the dwelling of the water going to be established according to who? The person that's going to use it. The person that's going to come and fill it up. That's one b'raise. V'tanye, but in a different b'raise we learned, Boer shall shvatim, this pit that's out on the road for all the shvatim, for people that came up to be oiledegel, it's hefker. Yeshlen alpayim amalachal ruach. How do you establish its dwelling? Not according to the person that fills it up, but it's the rain where, sorry, this water in the pit, wherever it is, you establish it according to where the water is. So what do you see over here? That the water itself could establish the, uh, the tchum according to where the water itself is. So I have now a contradiction of these two braises over here. One price it says that the water establishes its own tchum. Another price it says that it goes according to the person that uses it, that fills it up. So we go back to what we said before. Shouldn't we say that this is based on the machlaikis of Rabbi Yechenen ben Nuri and the Rabbanon? So we see over here again that the machlaikis of Rabbi Yechenen ben Nuri and the Rabbanon is not only a benigayat to a person, benigayat to a human being that's sleeping, but it's also benigayat to a daimim. It's also benigayat to rain or benigayat to water in a pit. When they came to Rabbi Yosef, Amalei, Rabbi Yosef said to him, Hachi Kamer of Safra, so Abaye said to Rabbi Yosef, that is. Abaye told Rabbi Yosef, Hachi Kamer of Safra. Rav Safra, regarding the b'raise that we quoted before, regarding the rain. What did Rav Safra say regarding the rain? That it doesn't have to mean that the rain establishes its own tchum. Could be the rain was in a place with there was people in a city. And it establishes according to the city. That's what Rav Safra said. And uh, Abaya told him, and I answered him, and I brought him this other b'raise over here with the water of the pit to disprove what he said. 
Amalei, Rav Yosef told him, You could have disproved what Rav Safra said from the words of the Braise itself that we quoted before about the rain. If you're going to say we're talking about rain that's in a city, why was the Lashon of the Braise that the rainwater has 2,000 amas to each side for the rain itself? It should have said that the, the rainwater, you can go like the people of that city. That's what it should have said. It says, that there's nobody else around. It's just the rain itself. And the rain itself establishes its dwelling where it is. You don't need any das. Even the rainwater could establish its own dwelling. So the maskon over here is that Rabbi Yechen and Benuri's opinion that you don't need kavana for an Edov is not only benigeya to a person that's asleep, it's even benigeya to a chayfet which is hefke, even benigeya to rain, water in a pit, wherever it is, it establishes its dwelling. On Yantiv, isn't the palm of Nailid? Very good, the Gemara is going to ask that. Hemshech the Gemara here. Is it the Gemara or the Rishayinim? Oh, it's the Gemara. Kol Shkadav and Nailad. It's the beginning of the next Dhamma, we'll see him at Shem tomorrow.